0: W-B-N-E.
1: Howdy, yolks. Before we get started today, we just want to let you know that this episode of Bacon and Eggs, and actually every episode of Bacon and Eggs, is brought to you by our patrons. Genuinely, I've been at this for like two and a half years, and I could not do it without your support. My wife would kill me. Uh, so thank you very much for everything that you do. Uh, and... And basically, if you want to support the show, if you like the show and you're like, man, I would love to listen to more podcasts with Tyler's voice or Ethan's voice or creators like Tyler and Ethan. I've got great news. There are other podcasts with both Tyler and Ethan there are no also, creators like us. There are nobody like <laughs> us. No, I'm kidding. There's plenty of people like us. And they're at wbne.org And if you want wbne.org to grow and you want bacon and eggs to grow, uh, because that is our brainchild, then head over to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. That's our website. Patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. And check out all the great reward tiers we have over there. I'm sure there is something that you can A, afford, and B, want if you've made it this far into the episode or if have listened to other episodes. If you've listened more than once, I feel like I've given you three hours of my time and my time is like, I, I bill a lot more than that at my day job, so like. Because you're just getting it for free, so yeah, I don't know. Check out Patreon. There's a lot of really good stuff over there, and it would mean like a so 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 much to us if you just checked it out. Checked out the reward series and and maybe pitched in a few bucks because it makes a huge difference for Ethan and I. Uh, but yeah, that's that's we're just gonna get on with the episode. I've said a lot of stuff. Thank you for donating and thank you for listening. <laughs> Howdy, yokes, and welcome back to Eggs Pride Month. I'm Tyler
2: Carlin. And I'm Ethan Etchill. And today we're rescuing PETA. Or maybe we're just making war propaganda. So blow up the dam. And overthrow the government. Because today we're bringing you The Hunger Games Colon Mockingjay Part 1 Period. PT1 Yeah, sorry, PT1 It's the, the the sequel to the PT Cruiser No, anyway This is a movie about Katniss Everdeen It's number three in the Hunger Games series Which we've been doing very slowly over the past year And some change And today we're brought to you by Jess from St- Nope, we're not brought to you by We have no, here I'm going to stop talking because I can't talk today Tal, you want to do this intro of the guest better than I could do it? Yeah, so our guest this week is
1: just one of the most fascinating people that I know. Since she was last on the show, she's grown her YouTube channel immensely. Her YouTube channel is called Story Diver where she does like deep dive insights into a lot of different characters and dives into the lore especially of the Hunger Games but also all all sorts of different uh like fandom sort of type properties like Disney and Potter and all sorts of stuff and she is like a super scholar and super incredibly smart and she lives in Australia but she doesn't have an Australian accent so it's like it's like this whole cool thing and she's a new mom. She's just oh my gosh, she's so awesome. I, I'm so proud of everything Jess is. Anyway we're joined this week by how do you say your last name? Is it Vandermot? Yeah vandermott or is it Vandermole? We're joined by Jess Vandermold.
0: <laughs> That's me. Hi. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome. Now, Story Diver, when you were last on the show, I want to say Story Diver was either just under or just over 1,000 subscribers on YouTube.
0: I think when I was last on the show, it was at around 100 subscribers. Yeah, it was
1: just over 100 100 subscribers. Okay. Where is it now?
0: 13,000 and something. (laughs) 13,000! Yeah,
1: you posted a video of the other day that was like, just general life update, just checking, just checking in on stuff. By the time I clicked on it, it had been up for like three hours and it had 4,000 views. I was like, oh! I was so proud of you. Yeah. Look at you go. I
0: know. It's so exciting.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so exciting. It's like, how has that impacted your life?
0: Um, it made me a lot busier in the sense, because I try and answer as many comments as I can. uh, But obviously, when you have 13,000 subscribers, you get a lot of comments. So I spend so much time just trying to answer people's comments. (laughs) So yeah, it's definitely made me a lot busier.
1: But are you like, where are you in terms of like, YouTube is my job now? Or is that where you currently are? I have no idea how this works.
0: Um, well, for me, YouTube was kind of always my job because I used it as a way of doing something when I couldn't work. So I've always kind of seen it as my Mm -hmm. job, which is why I was taking it seriously and making sure I upload like systematically on my upload days and stuff like that. But obviously Mm -hmm. now with the amount of subscribers I have and being monetized, it's more definitely my job because like I actually earn real money from it now. Um, Right. So like I have my own office space, whereas before I used to share an office with Ben, but now I've got my own space and stuff like that. So I'm taking it more seriously.
1: Well, I am super proud of you. Super excited for you. Saw the new channel artwork Everything looks just amazing. And you're doing, you're, you're killing the game. Yeah, that's <laughs> exciting to watch. Those of
2: you listening right now, Jess is the success story because she just went and did everything you're supposed to do. Treated <laughs> it like a, like a job from day one and said, I'm gonna make a bunch of videos. And if people like watch them, then they watch them. And if they don't, great. And they watch them. And then more people watch them. Yep. And then more people watch them. And then, yeah, it just kept going from there. It's been very cool to watch that happen. I remember a couple months back, I was like, man, Jess makes a lot of videos about the Hunger Games is there a market for that? And then I saw you were like 8,000 subs and I was like apparently there's a market for that.
1: Yeah, it's been really exciting to watch because you do like you do it so well. You do fundamentals of content creation. Like this is what Ethan and I preach to people is like consistency if you say you have an upload schedule you have it it's your job now and you do it and you nail this better than almost anybody that i know and it's it's very fun to watch it is knowing that if you show up to work every day and you put the time in you will succeed but but i i feel like i'm i'm speaking a lot for you i want to know your thoughts on that success story
0: yeah um i definitely agree with you with what you're saying about like if it's your job you should like take it seriously and treat it as such So the minute I decided I was going to do YouTube, I was like, okay, well, either I'm doing it as a hobby, but then I don't really see the point in doing it because I'm not the kind of person who does things as a hobby. I'm extremely competitive. So I'm like, if I'm doing something, I'm doing it to be the best at it, which is not the most healthy mentality. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so definitely treating it as a serious job, um, but also like being aware of like your limits. Like I knew from the start, I wouldn't have an amazing camera and an amazing mic and amazing lighting. And so I was kind of figuring out how can I make the best product I can with what I have and then prioritizing what equipment to get first once I can afford to get better equipment. Um, So that's a big part, I think, of growing on YouTube is being aware of what you are capable of doing and what you can still grow into, if that makes sense.
1: No, I I really, really love that because I feel like we have this conversation with podcasters all the time of like what microphone should I be buying or I can't afford even a hundred dollar microphone. And to me, the commitment you need to make before your financial commitment is am I willing to dedicate two hours to research, two hours to recording and four hours to editing every single week? Yeah, because that is the resource like time is the most valuable resource here. So before you spend a hundred dollars on a microphone or whatever it is, or four hundred dollars or whatever it is, do you have that kind of time? Because if you know that you can budget that amount of time, you will make the production costs come later.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And and I know that you have, and I know that we have. When we started, we were using, of course, the microphone I'm using today. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but like I didn't I didn't have a nice computer. I didn't have you know we were using Audacity, which we still are. And since then, we've upgraded to you know really really top of the line microphones and boom arms and soundproofing and we have dedicated space for it or before it was you know like you it's a shared space where you were just making it happen and and dealing with all the crap to know that you can deal with all the crap so that when you make things easier for yourself, it's that much easier.
0: Yeah. My favorite story about upgrading your equipment is when we first moved into this house in November. So the room I film in is all tiled and it's pretty big. So it's really echoey and Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford soundproofing film because it's relatively expensive. I find for like what it is. And so what I did to soundproof the room is I kept all the cardboard boxes from when we moved and I like layered them against Mm -hmm. the walls and then made a little fort around where I film to try and absorb as much of the sound so it was complete chaos because it was just cardboard boxes just piled up around this room but it was the only way i could absorb any sound to make sure it wasn't echoing and then right i actually got the soundproofing foam from fans it was a gift for reaching a thousand subscribers um but being able like now i can actually afford foam and so i was able to remove the horrible cardboard for and now i have nice foam um, but like that took time. So you have to be aware that you're not going to get everything from the start.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, speaking of investing a lot of time and energy in video production, let's talk about a movie about video production. The hunger games, part one, hunger games, my part one.
1: I have one, one last Jess question before we get into stats and everything. Okay. Uh, Jess, you are joining us for pride month. Yep. Uh, why do you, fit that category um i guess is like the most blunt way to ask that yeah, yeah that sure. was brutal <laughs> that's okay <laughs> um i know that you do and i know the answer but i want to give like you the tell opportunity us your story. To, yeah, yeah sure
0: so i identify as pansexual which does not mean i'm interested in frying pans because i get that joke a lot um pansexual people are interested in people of all genders so it's different to bisexuality bisexuality is being interested in two genders um most mm-hmm. commonly, it's known as like being interested in male and female, but it could be like male and non-binary, that kind of stuff. Whereas pansexuality right. is everybody, to put it simply.
2: Do people Very really still make the frying pan joke in 2020?
1: Oh, all the time. Ethan, Ethan, I don't know if you know this, this Pride Month, where we have been as close to the center as I guess we've ever been... Like, I feel more as an ally this year than I ever have before. And I've never felt like, well, no, I'm not going to say I've never felt like not an ally. I definitely had some dark years in my life. I'm not going to pretend that I didn't. I want people to know it's okay to reform yourself. Uh, but I feel like I've seen more hate towards the LGBTQ community this year than I have in years past.
0: Yeah, I would go with that. Well, as I'm
2: by no means going to try to defend anybody. That's not... I feel like I have to say that but when I start a sentence with, like, well or but... There's, there's a lot going on in the world, and people just seem to be looking for something to hate. Oh, yeah, and definitely. Oh yeah. It's usually sort of an easy target for some terrible people. Yep. I made okay, myself so, sad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The
1: Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, directed by Francis Lawrence came out in, at least here, November 21st, 2014, which was 2,034 days ago, on a $125 million budget. It made $755 million worldwide. It got an 80% critic rating and a 75% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 69 on Metacritic. Ah, uh, Ethan, do you have a professional negative review for this film?
2: I do. I have a review from Chrissy Lemire of ChrissyLemire.com. I feel like Chrissy Lemire used to have a different job, or maybe now has a different job, but... Uh, no idea. Anyway, Chrissy Lemire says. It's an elaborate game of hurry up and wait And it's the most shameless example yet Of splitting the final book into hugely popular series Into two film adaptations To which I say Have you seen the Divergent movies? Because they didn't even make the second half Of the second one of those Those movies are bad, Ethan just I liked not the first one, genuinely you know, did I saw it with Stephen Plotz and we got uh, uh, Like Mod Pizza or whatever it was before
1: oh, I never actually ended up Going to that place because uh they it's, like advertised it as like make your own pizza. So I thought it was like uh what's that place where you go and you do your own like uh I thought it was a Korean barbecue, but you make pizza. Like fondue but pizza? Yeah, it turns out God. it is
2: like chipotle but pizza. Yeah, which is like, like how most like fine. fancy pizza places work. Like like yeah, line pizza. Anyway, 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 do you have a positive review for me? Because so I don't want to talk about the virgin movies, because those are just Hunger Games plus the giver equals bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I had Richard Roper from RichardRoper.com of Richard Roper fame, uh, and he said it's a solid lead up to the finale.
0: Yep, yeah, fair.
1: That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which Concise. I actually
1: agree with. I, uh, I don't think I saw this, or if I did, I don't remember a minute of it. Because I watched it last night and this morning I fell asleep. Not because I wasn't entertained. I actually really enjoyed the movie. I was just so tired lately. The world is hard, man. Uh, so I fell asleep and I had to finish it this morning, I don't remember any of this film. None of it, but I really enjoyed it.
0: It's good you enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. It's got a lot of Oscar winners in it, mm. and uh, I can't believe did Mahershala Ali win an Oscar for this film? No, I say that joke every time because he's like hardly in moonlight. <laughs> That's why I make that joke. Uh, Anytime no, he's in, yeah, he
2: didn't. He didn't win an Oscar for this. Um, I think he would probably be like fifth or sixth on the list.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't think anybody in this movie deserves an Oscar. I don't think anybody in this movie No, <laughs> like for best supporting for movie.
2: actor, I think he would be like fifth on the list.
0: Yeah, I'd say so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman is the only one that really delivers a performance here.
0: And he's not even in most of like a lot of the movie. Now,
1: you are more familiar, Jess, with the time period and everything. Do Philip Seymour Hoffman was he did he pass during this film or after this one was already finished?
0: Uh, So they actually filmed Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2 in one go, and he passed during Mm -hmm. that filming block, and they were filming the scenes all over the place. So some of the scenes from Mockingjay Part 1 he was alive for, and some he had passed away for. So there's some scenes which are CGI, and some that aren't.
1: I didn't notice it in this one, and maybe it was glaringly obvious and I'm just stupid, but I didn't pick up on it at all.
0: There's one scene that I find is glaringly obvious, but I don't know if that's just because I've edited so many times that I see all the little things about it. But there's one where right. to me it's so obvious that it's a CGI. Which one is that? It's the one where Coin is talking to Katniss, um, and Plutarch's kind of sitting behind President Coin, and he's got a book in front of him. And he's supposedly reading the book. But if you actually look at him, he doesn't blink or breathe the entire scene. He's just sat with a book. He's he's just a JPEG. Basically. And then at one point, he suddenly animates and then turns a page and then goes dead again. And it's so obvious that it's CGI. And it drives me insane every time because he's just so still. And then he suddenly moves, turns a page, and it goes back to being really still again. Why would you just not have him in the room? Like- <laughs> because the start of the scene, Philip Seymour Hoffman was actually alive to film, and he walks into the room and talks to President Coyne and Katniss and then goes to sit down, and then they had to reshoot the rest of the scene, but he had died by then, so they then had to like CGI him because he's supposed to still be there. So.
2: That's so wild.
0: <laughs> it is. <laughs>
2: God, I feel like that's, I mean, it's obviously a crazy thing to do, and I've seen them do crazier things that came out worse. There's some stuff in Star Wars where some people had passed, and it's like, okay, guys, (laughs) this one was bad. I'll Um, tell you,
1: the worst offender in Star Wars is not Rogue One. I actually thought that one came out really nice. The worst offender in Star Wars is young Carrie Fisher and young Luke Skywalker, or or, uh, Mark Hamill in Rise of Skywalker. It doesn't even look like their faces are in their little helmets. It...
2: Didn't work for me at all.
0: I can't comment. I haven't seen Star Wars. Yeah, that's fair. Um cool. So
2: this is a movie I remembered not liking very much when I saw it. I rented it on Redbox and like saw it on my television when we lived in port together, Tyler, but I don't remember liking it per se. And and I have been proven wrong. It is it is much better on a second, maybe third watch. I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, I I had I had said that because I'm not I'm not a huge fan of mocking Jade the book. I've only read it once but when i when i read it it didn't really do a whole lot for me and this this i think uh really kind of brought back my interest and my my compassion for the late half of this series
0: that's wild to me cuz mockingjay is my favorite book of the series i yeah i actually
1: remember i could be backwards about this but i remember reading the books and thinking that they went in like reverse order of what would make a good book and what would make a good movie and that like i felt like the first one would make an excellent movie and i don't feel like I've, I've had this, like, weird sticking point where the cornucopia isn't what I expected it to look like, so therefore this is a bad movie. <laughs> I don't know why I feel that way. That's such a stupid thing to care about. Um, but I remember thinking, that like, the first one would make an excellent film, and the second one would be kind of good as either, and then the third one would be is, like, just a book, uh, which is weird because the third one's about, like, filming propaganda. Uh,
2: well, I, I mean, it's not, though. Like, there, th- this is a, a liberal use of of half of the book
1: (laughs) is this more early book i don't remember the book i i will say sitting down to watch this film i really thought to myself i should read these again which made me excited because it made me want to read something and i haven't been able to sit down and read anything in a few weeks so i'm excited to pick these books up but i don't remember what this book's about at all i know what happens at the end To stop start the two the two sort of twists
2: yeah yeah i remember the second part a lot better with the it's just you know it's almost entirely the big fight in the city and stuff like that Um, yeah it's the same as as the the films that we will not be mentioning um, (laughs) at this time (laughs) where like they covered a lot of that book in the first movie and then the second half the second part is like
0: fight scene yeah fair yeah because i watched both parts over the last two days and i definitely realized that the second one is just mainly fighting i don't know why it's taken me this long to realize that I, I don't know what's happened to my brain, but I think I just one why I was like, there's a lot of fight scenes in this bit.
1: I think what I've noticed is, especially with part ones and part twos, there's not a ton of crazy, like crazy ton amount of these out there. But what I've noticed is I always assume, I think I can usually separate part two from part one, but not part one from part two, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think I see what you mean. Well, like in, in
2: the thing that uh, the, the books which will not be named uh, had going for them is that there's that big moment at the end of part, one right like the end the end of the movie if there's an obvious in the middle of the book you're like okay i can see where this is gonna you know let's take an intermission i'm gonna put the book down for a while Mm. i didn't when i read it but it's the you know this but this this one is it's a cool place to leave it off but it almost felt like a weird place to leave it off
0: i think they should have, have left it off i think they should have ended part one when Peter's strangling Katniss, and just stop it there, where you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, where ending done it that with her waking have... up just isn't a cliffhanger anymore. Because like, oh, she's fine. Yeah,
2: yeah. I would have. I would have done that, or I would have just ended with the wedding.
0: Mm, fair.
2: And had, like, had Coyne be making her speech over the scenes of them getting married.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
2: Because I was talking to Tyler today about, uh, this, this movie is one that I noticed for sure benefits a lot from things they can't do in books where you have, like, in a movie you can be in two places at once, right? Like, yeah. you can, action can continue at the same time, whereas when you're reading a book you can only learn something one time. Yeah. So you had like, the great scene where, uh, Snow and Katniss are talking while, uh, Bugs and and Gale are inside the training center, the mm-hmm. the the, tri- the um, yeah, tribute yeah. center, and you know it, it had been really tense. And then then Snow shows up, and everything goes crazy. And then he's like, "Did you really think I didn't know they were in here?" And you and you're learning all that at the same time. It's like you can't do that in the book. Yeah, especially since a lot of it tried to do the 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 thing where like you only learn things that Katniss knows, which is is good, you know, when it gets pulled off. But it's it's hard; it's very hard to write like that.
0: Yeah, especially definitely. for something where
2: there's a lot of world going on.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: So I definitely think that's where this one succeeds more, and I felt this way about uh, Catching Fire as well, mm-hmm. where it succeeds more as a movie because you can do these things and you can show these different pieces of the story kind of going on at one time.
0: Yeah, it's not just the one perspective, for sure.
2: And that's what I thought about both of the first parts of this is, is you learn so much less in the movies from, like, cannon blasts and stuff. It's like they're m- much more just, like, happens, mm-hmm. which I've liked the whole time. Um, and we've beaten the, the first Hunger Games movie to death and the things that were, air quote, wrong with it, and mostly just struggled from being on a pretty small budget for a big movie. Um, and a bad
0: director. Um, I th- yeah.
1: I was actually thinking the same thing as the director is, like, like, if you are directing this film and you have Academy Award winner Jennifer Lawrence and uh, MTV Movie Award Josh Hutcherson. I guess he won it for this film, but uh, but you have like and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Donald Sutherland. And... Philip
2: Seymour Hoffman was not in the first one.
0: Yep.
1: No, I know, but it, oh. even I, I felt
2: like the directing this film fell short.
0: I mean, Plutarch I should like... have been in the first one. He's in the first book. So, but that's a side.
2: Yeah, exactly. I Seneca Crane in the first one is like a highlight of that movie for me. So I'm not super upset. I, I mean, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman and everything he did. I love him in in this part, but I, I didn't have a problem with him not really being there. I think it was cool to bring him in as a uh, as a like replacement.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's. I'm one of those people. It's just very silly to me that like Plutarch is in the first book. He's just a background character. But it ties in well to him re-meeting Katniss and catching fire. And it, it would have just been so simple for him to have been in the first movie. But anyway.
2: Right, but then you then you have to hire Philip Seymour Hoffman right. for to do nothing yeah, in the first movie. I know. Also then you have to like you have to make the decision to hire somebody. And and, and it wouldn't have been Philip Seymour Hoffman because they couldn't afford Philip Seymour Hoffman to be in this part in the first one because they were working with seventy million dollars and they couldn't even get like cool lens filters, apparently. <laughs> Everything's just aggressively green.
0: Yep, true. Uh,
2: I don't like the color green in, in movies and photography, I have decided recently. The movie Parasite made me very uncomfortable because of all the green in it.
1: Parasite made me uncomfortable for like a lot. Well, it, it made
2: reasons. me uncomfortable for a lot of reasons, but just like in a purely <laughs> aesthetic reason, I was like, that lawn is too green. It makes my skin hurt. And I felt the same way about the first Hunger Games movie. Uh, it's not that I'm, I'm ever advocating for the blue and orange, like the Hollywood blue and orange, but like maybe dull it down a little bit. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Fair. Well,
1: but you don't want to end up like the films that shall not be named.
2: Uh That was just a wild, vert, a wild way to go with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's no grass in the in Northern England,
2: none whatsoever. So even that is just like, man, everything's lit like they're in the middle of a hurricane. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but I felt like the director is given a lot to work with in this film. In the cast. And it felt like, I don't know, I didn't get a lot of chemistry from the characters. And that's such like a weird complaint. Maybe it's not that we often talk about, but I felt like it's so easy to compare to that other series. I felt like those actors really cared about each other. I didn't feel like these actors spent any time together on set. I felt like they showed up, delivered their lines
2: and went home. I disagree. I've always enjoyed the, the chemistry between um, Woody Harrelson and Jennifer Lawrence. I really like. Oh
1: yeah. Whoa, hold on. That's an, That is an exception. I felt like they lived together. They <laughs> lived in the same bunker during this. Everybody, uh, Mahershala Ali was busy while this was happening. He was doing other cool projects. Oh, for projects. sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So, Jess, tell us about The Hunger Games. Like, this is a, this is a big one for you. This is your, sort of your marquee thing. Yep. What is it about this series? What is it about, the, you know, how do you feel about books versus movies? Just guide us. Start us at square one and, and tell us everything that you think about The Hunger Games as a series. And tell us about um, Untitled Pan Am Novel that I refused to uh, (laughs) learn the name for because I liked Untitled Pan Am Novel so much better. And also that that book came out way sooner than I could have possibly expected (laughs) it to. I remember saying it was out and you're like what it's out already because it's the, the, the release cycle on books is outrageous <laughs> to me like you you announce a book like w- when it comes out when it, when they announce that it doesn't have a name like I'm thinking 3 years maybe especially if it's if it's in like an established thing because you can't it's hard to keep that 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 news under wraps like oh Suzanne Collins is writing another book about the Hunger Games It's like that doesn't that you can't keep that quiet people are going to find out yeah. So I felt like they were that we found out about it way before that it was it was done. It was like, "Oh, she signed a contract. Cool." And then it was out and I was like Okay, <laughs>
0: how? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so quick backstory of my relationship to the Hunger Games, just because I think it's kind of funny. Um, I was about 15 and everybody in my school was reading them and I refused to pick them up. I thought it sounded stupid. I did not want to read them. And basically, I accepted to read them because my best friend kept harassing me about it. And I told her, if I read them, will you shut up? And she said, yes. So I read them and I read them in like a day and a half. I didn't sleep. I just read them in one sitting. Basically, I love them so much. Um So I kind of had to eat my words about that. And then um, for the movies, Ben and I have seen every single movie in the cinema together because we started dating a few months after I first read The Hunger Games and he was reading them around the same time. Um, So that's kind of why it's such an important series to me is it came in my life at a really important time because around that 15 age mark, a lot of stuff was going on and I kind of needed something to like focus myself on, if that makes sense. Um, So finding a series that I couldn't put down and I just wanted to read over and over again kind of gave me an escape and something to focus myself on. And then obviously it being so tied to like starting my relationship with Ben and stuff like that it's always just been a big part of my life and I found every so often I would pick the books up and read them again and every time I read them again I'd see like a different layer to them or like find different things about them and that was really interesting to me that every time I read them it's almost like I'm reading a different version of them because I'll pick up on different things as I mature as a reader um, so yeah that's kind of why I'm so obsessed with them <laughs>
2: What's your favorite piece, either book or movie?
0: Um, so my favorite book is Mockingjay. Uh, my favorite okay. movie is Catching Fire. Okay.
2: Okay.
1: I have a question for you. And this might be like, a, <laughs> Tyler, everybody knows this, obviously. But it, everybody can't possibly know this because this is like where I feel like a lot of... this. Is, where do you get your information? Cite your sources, Jessica. Is it Jessica? Yes, I'm sorry. it is Jessica.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like no
0: one calls me that. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry if
1: that was rude. I'm (laughs) sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, It's
0: my name. So like,
1: you have a video recently that I I admit I haven't watched. Maybe there's (laughs) citation in it. What if a tribute were pregnant? Yeah. How do you possibly have answers for this?
0: Um. So my sources, I guess I'll do a shout out to Mr. Lomas, my app English teacher from high school. Um. He drilled it into our heads to analyze and overanalyze books for two years, and that's pretty much my sources. Is I'll just. I'll read them to the point that I can get into each character's mind and see how they would react to things. So, like, what would happen if a tribute were pregnant? You look at First of all, from like the reaping perspective, how would that work? Um, then you look at the game makers perspective. How would they face a pregnant tribute? The capital citizens, how would they face watching a pregnant tribute? The district people, how would they face watching one of their own children pregnant in the arena? Um, what we know about how the capital views children and human life. Therefore, what would they do about pregnancy? That kind of stuff. So I do use the Hunger Games like a wiki page to like quickly read up on stuff, but pretty much all of my research is me sitting with one of the many copies of the books I have, because I have too many copies of these books for some reason. Uh, I've got the movies on my computer, the book on my lap, and I've typed up like notes from analyzing the books on my computer, and I have like those three things open at once. And then I just spend hours just like trying to think of every different perspective and like how would this character react and how would that character react. So it's all from my head, basically.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Truncate 7 minutes and 44 seconds worth of video into three sentences. What happens if a tribute is pregnant? Uh,
0: I believe that the Capitol would force her to have an abortion slash deliver early. Um, but if she were to not and go into the arena, then not good for her because pregnancy and fighting, not great. And if she were to give birth, very not great because postpartum and being in an arena, not great. It's basically the theory. <laughs>
2: Right, and you obviously couldn't let her not participate.
0: Yeah, because... Because the, then
2: everybody would try to get pregnant.
0: Exactly, and the to, rule to, to the reaping oh, is... Oh, what a good thought. The rule to the reaping is you can only not show up to the reaping if you're literally on death's door. And very few cases of pregnancy would fall under that umbrella term. Um, but yeah, as Ethan said, if pregnancy is a good way to get out of the arena, literally everybody would get pregnant. So
2: Right, and you'd have every 16, 15, 16-year-old 16 plus... Yeah, that would be bad. That'd be bad news fairs. <laughs> Yep. Luckily, we don't live in a society that does the Hunger Games. It's it might seem like it sometimes. We haven't gotten that <laughs> bad yet here in America. Man, it's close. It's it close. Is so close. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, this one did hit a little bit, a little bit closer home than I was willing to. Go into today <laughs>
1: oh my god i turned it on and it was like it, they talked about like i didn't realize the cap like the uh, pandemic exists because of a pandemic and then there's like class warfare and i was like oh my god this is it and war terrible war yep. yeah I, this is it for all of us i
0: mean i've been saying it since i first read the books a really simple way of looking at it is like the capital citizens love to dye their hair crazy colors and be as extravagant and crazy and different as possible and if you look at a lot of modern day society a lot of people like to dye their hair crazy colors and like to stand out as much as possible and wear like crazy vibrant clothing, we're already kind of going towards that mindset.
1: And we celebrate that. Yeah. We as a society, at least the part of our society that, that feels like it has the moral high ground and, and I think does, celebrates being exactly who you are and investing in self-expression and being loud and vibrant for the world to see. That's not to say if you were like a quiet person who's reserved and doesn't want to give yourself to the world, that's fine. You're, you're loved and accepted. But we as a society definitely celebrate vibrance and... and- noise and it's not just in the like nerd community where people do like cosplay and things but it's also like at a sporting event the people who are featured on tv from the fans are the people with their faces painted with big signs with like the the loud and exciting people
0: yeah and like i say this as someone who wears like crazy colored lipsticks like i'm fully aware that i fall into that category of people um but it's just an interesting observation i made when i first heard the books that like the capital like mindset not the like killing children mindset but like how they view themselves is not that far away from how we view ourselves.
2: Yes. Well, and then, and I, you know, you get back to a lot ahead. of your dystopian and a lot of your dystopian fiction withdraws so much from the things that have really happened in this world, where like the a, your average capital citizen isn't really guilty of a whole lot other than benefiting from the system. Yeah. You know, like, like. Your average person that's walking around on the streets dyeing their hair crazy colors isn't also just like going out to the districts and murking kids.
0: Exactly. And a big thing you have to remember also is the capital citizens are, in that sense, as innocent as the district citizens. They're just brainwashed and surrounded by propaganda. They don't know what's wrong with this because they don't view district people the same as themselves.
2: Right. And that's the sort of the crux of this whole universe is that there are. You know, it's it's not exactly as easy to, and th- and that that's the how the series ends is is you know is how easy is it to determine good from bad, mm-hmm. and obviously the system they put in place just turns right around and, and does the and same ruins thing, it again. yeah, 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 or, or would have tried moment. to given the opportunity. Mm-hmm.
1: I I love 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 Katniss's decision. I don't think I got it until this year of my life
0: okay
2: what decision
1: the final decision of the series
0: oh yeah yeah i
2: was gonna say there's lots of decisions
0: but yeah me too i was like wh- which one are we talking to about
1: volunteer uh there are a few moments in this film where katniss is like i didn't ask for this and i felt like president snow could have easily been like i mean you did literally
2: <laughs> volunteer right but 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 that's the whole thing is that like she volunteered to do what she had to she didn't ask to be born into the system that was Broken. Right.
0: Yeah, and she volunteered to save her sister, not to be the mocking Jay. Right.
1: Right. She didn't she didn't sign up to be the voice of a revolution. She, she apparently expected to... to die. Yeah. Right. She signed up to die. She was ready to die.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. She stays ready to die, dude.
0: I mean she's yeah, that she's suicidal Sorry, for no, most I... of it. Like she purposefully puts herself in dangerous situations. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that gets washed out of this movie. Yes.
2: A lot of the the dark, dark, dark parts of Katniss. Which, granted, wouldn't have made for a very good movie. She spends a lot of Mockingjay Jay the book, just sort of coping.
1: Yeah. This this is that is there though? I mean, there's the scene with her and Haymitch and like the sewer pipe, and then the very first scene of the film is her being like like coping with a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. So they don't they don't ignore it entirely. Oh
2: yeah, this one this one's hard from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It kicks, kicks you right in the face from the second it opens. Yeah. I thought I, I like I ran it back and thought I had missed something. <laughs> Um and I I'll, I'll tell you never more has cuz this was made on what did I say 140 million dollars for this one 125 million yeah the difference between the 75 they had spent on the first one and the 125 they spent on this one is enormous yeah granted they stopped trying to film any of it outside which <laughs> is whatever um they they went full avengers with it which is fine yeah um
0: I mean, most so of like the, the cornucopia. In, is, is The cornucopia from
2: the first one is like three hours from here, two hours from here. Ooh. Yeah. See, but most of that movie was shot um, within like a three or four hour drive from my house.
0: See, this is why the I need to visit where you guys are.
2: You can't go to the place where they did the cornucopia. Um, yeah. No, you
0: can't.
1: Mm. Why, Ethan? I, this isn't something I'm aware of.
2: It's just like, it's just like not accessible. It was like a, like a power plant.
0: Uh, it's just Maybe the, the cornucopia from the
2: second one. The second one is the lake, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. It's, it's the, the cornucopia from clock. the second one. The first one is also around here, but it might be in West Virginia and North Carolina. I can't remember.
0: Mm, I still have to go visit.
2: But this one, uh, this, this one is full on, you know, Pinewood Studios in Pinewood, Georgia. Yeah. You know, Avengers Endgame, Wakanda, the same room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big ol' green soundstage where they hate gay people. Oh
1: boy. Is that true? I don't this is news to me. It's an
2: me. Yeah, that's why a movie they, there's the whole like Disney stop filming movies in Georgia thing. Nice. Where like the Go state Disney. of the state of Georgia hates everybody, like black people and gay people. And uh everybody wants them to stop making movies in Georgia, but Georgia's like, no,
0: tax cuts. Yeah, but a lot of people are pulling out from filming in Georgia, from what I've seen.
2: Yeah. That I, I've started to see at the end, if you watch the credits to the end, it's, it'll be like no part of this movie was filmed in Georgia.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen that. And I'm like, That's OK, brilliant.
2: because Georgia sucks. Yep,
0: yeah, I that all I know yeah, of it not is a huge this, fan. but I would agree.
2: I mean, it's, it's a cool place. Like I've been to parts of Georgia and I like parts of Georgia. Atlanta's a really cool city and Atlanta has a lot going for it. But Atlanta also has a lot of huge problems, especially right now. Yeah. Um, but the Georgia government, yeah, is, is a lot of people are pulling out from filming in Georgia, but uh, I think Disney missed the memo when they made their big, their big $3 million, $3 billion film. Oops. Fire call correctly.
1: It was so good. It
2: was good, but it could have been made anywhere that you have a large room with green stuff in it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but they've got a gay character in Endgame. Bing, bang, boom.
0: That doesn't erase what they did though.
1: (laughs) No, i know. Yeah, Disney has
0: a lot to own up for (laughs) (laughs) from that,
2: that respect.
1: Yeah, they've done a lot of dumb stuff. Walter wasn't, like, the nicest guy in the world. He was sort of a President Snow type. Yeah. I don't know about all that. Yeah. I've, I've heard that he poisoned his enemies.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, the... the <laughs> Tyler's talked about the cornucopia and I have also been mean to the Hunger Games movie just because like I don't think I've ever been more wrong about not wrong but like I I, nothing was how I pictured it
0: but that's because nothing was how it's described in the books like the cornucopia is not described as being silver with like hard edges it's gold and looks like a woven horn so like it's normal that the cornucopia feels wrong because it is wrong but it's not even that. I it's think, like for me, I it was it all the casting
2: choices and the actual like locations in the
0: capital and everything. Oh, none it's, of it, it's just none of
2: it matched up. Yeah, and
0: that's mainly due Were to the first director just being like, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want to do.
1: Well, and I think that you're allowed to do that. Like I, I know that we come down on directors. I think you're allowed to do that if you get hired to direct the Hunger Games. It's like okay, make the vision that you have. I think that you're also susceptible to the criticism that comes
0: with that, though. Oh, especially if you're whitewashing characters. That's a big problem. Well, and it's the yes. only one that Suzanne Collins'
2: uh, screen wrote. Really? Yeah. Hmm, I thought she... W- Huh. It's the only one she's credited for, as far as
0: I can tell. Okay. Obviously misremembered.
1: I mean, you could, uh, there's always the chance that we're wrong about yeah. something.
0: Because um, <laughs> I was looking up to see up uh, that,
2: if I think Lawrence
1: Guy it, was one the one thing, that did the rest of them. One thing that Suzanne Collins does so well as an author is, I don't know if she describes things more or she, she sets up the theater of the mind so incredibly well. Yeah. Where like, as everything's happening, you really picture it. And maybe she's giving you liberty to picture things how you want to picture them. Or maybe there's clear specific specific descriptions. I honestly don't remember. It's been so long since I've read them. But I do remember like reading these books and being like, and like picturing everything that happened. And I remember thinking Katniss was younger than Jennifer Lawrence looks and PETA. I wouldn't have picked Josh Hutcherson, but I, I get it. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like the more I... Honestly, the more I look at Josh Hutcherson in these films, and I do remember this when I last revisited the books, the more I'm like, yeah, no, that's actually pretty on the nose what he
2: looks like.
0: Yeah, I think he's one of the better casting choices. Oh, I just
2: yeah. really don't like him. Fair. <laughs> Something about his whole steez I have never enjoyed in any of these movies, or any of his movies. Um, I See, my thing was, I missed the part in the book where they described President Snow as being old, um, and I have so never, I have never young? forgiven the movies for my mistake.
1: <laughs> I missed. Uh, this was when I was happy to be wrong about. I missed Cinna being black, Fair. and so I pictured him as like Eric Whitaker, even though because I, 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 I clung to gold, mm. and so. I pictured He
2: like, was wait, he was black in the books?
0: Pretty sure. Right? Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I can grab a book right now and check.
2: Again, I have I have not read them in a long time. I was under the impression there were no black people in the
0: books. No, Rue is described as being dark skinned. Is she? Okay. Yeah. I mean Katniss yeah, olive skinned. So like that's pretty Would much. Did you say no. Jennifer
1: Lawrence has like pink undertones or green undertones?
0: Uh, Jennifer Lawrence does not have olive skin. All right. She she's that's she's fair. white. <laughs> Well,
2: yes. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, I understood that there was some sort of, uh, racially motivated genocide in the books that I may have mistakenly, but I got a lot of things wrong. I, I definitely thought that President Snow was a cannibal.
0: Okay. <laughs> is that because of like the blood? Yes. Yeah. Of,
2: no, not because of the blood, because of the like the, the blood and the smell. Yeah, I with could the see roses. That. Instead
1: of like, instead of poison, the answer would have been like, he eats his enemies.
2: Right. His body's rejecting him because you're not supposed to do that. That's an interesting. And his mouth twist. would have always smelled like person flesh. Lovely. Maybe that is what it is. But again, I also I I could not for the life of me not imagine Aaron Eckhart playing uh, President Snow, who was Harvey Dent in um, the Batman movies. Yeah, okay. That was who I because I always when I read when I'm when I read a book, I cast a movie in my head for that book. Okay, and that was who I pictured, and I have never forgiven these movies for that. <laughs> Just that is my one sticking point for some reasons. So I I missed the detail, like I straight up because <laughs> I, I think I read them very quickly. Because uh, I I remember. Tyler's brother Jonathan was actually the one that told me to read them um we
1: heard from our cousin Rachel
2: yeah I don't know where you heard it from but I he told me that's where okay cool <laughs> <laughs> I rem- so I remember why Jonathan was like oh man you got to read the Hunger Games books and I remember walking in and it was like the display was out because Mockingjay had just come out it's like that was in hardback and then I got the other two in paperback that were like sitting next to it it's like that was you the time I read paperback? it
1: paperback what I didn't know they came in a paperback option
2: yeah all books come in paperback Tyler <laughs> that's how books work <laughs>
1: I guess that makes sense. I've just, like, I can't picture that in my brain.
2: It's just, it's not a, okay, so Tyler, there's a difference between a paperback and a mass market paperback.
1: No, 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 not a mass market. I don't, I, that I just know that was your buzzword for
2: a while. What was
1: I mass still love paperback. a mass market paperback. I'll say that a couple times. If there's a mass market paperback version of The Hunger Games, I would like to own it. Please. I'm
2: sure there is. They've got, they've had to have designed the covers five times by now.
0: Oh, way more than that. But anyway. Yeah.
2: But no, it looks exactly like the, the regular ones did. It just just was um soft instead of hard. Because it's, it's black <laughs> it's black, red, and blue, right? In that order.
0: Uh well, the like main edition is black and then the first one's like yellow, then red, then blue. But like they're mainly black covers. I have them just there.
2: Oh, I, I, I remember the the blue version of Mocking the version of Mocking I have is blue.
0: Yeah. If you got the hard cover, then yes, I got the hard cover covers are the, the like the main colour. So like they would be yellow, red, blue with like no black. So if you got Mockingjay hardcover, it'd be blue. Huh. Yeah, the first one's okay. yellow, then red, then blue.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, I would not. I believe that my uh, believe that my paperback was black, but I couldn't. I can. I could be mistaken. I have not touched it in what ten years. Mm. When did When did Mockingjay come out? Two thousand ten. Yeah, I don't it had know. to be. I was in high school. Um. So yeah, I I like crushed them in like a week and a half, and haven't read them since then. <laughs> Because when it, when the movie came out in 2012, I was firmly in college. I was like the end of my freshman year of college. And, um, I like was so far removed. The movie came out. I was like, what is a hunger? Oh, I read these books. Even though it only been a couple years. I was like, okay. And then I, I think I read the first one again and like, or partially. I, I
1: know that I read them in college. I know that because I think I was in Stephen Plotz's hammock reading them.
2: I a hundred percent read them in high school. I have not read Mockingjay since it came out. Um, but I remember seeing, I saw the first two movies in theater. No, I only saw the first one in theaters.
0: That's wild. Because I definitely saw all of them. And then the last one, um, the cinemas in Belgium were doing a movie marathon. So you could see all four movies in one go. Um, and actually, funny story. We were supposed to go with friends in Brussels. But then, a funny story. That's a bit, maybe not the right term. Then there was a terror alert. And all of Brussels shut down. And we were really disappointed. Because like, what about our movie marathon? But then a city outside of Brussels was doing it. So we had to drive like an hour to go watch these movies. So, yeah.
2: I mean, not I'm your so traditionally you. funny story. but No,
0: but it was just...
1: <laughs> you won't believe it, crazy thing <laughs> happened. There was a terrorist attack while I was at the movie theater. It's not...
0: <laughs> it's not funny funny, but it was kind of ironic considering what we were going to go watch that there was this terror alert on our town. Right. It was a dark time of, like in Belgium at that point. Well, I'm sorry
1: about that. I wish it wasn't a dark time in Belgium. I wish all times in Belgium were happy times in Belgium.
0: Yeah, me too.
2: I don't think I was aware that there could be dark times in Belgium.
0: Uh, well, we've had a few, like, yeah, terror issues recently.
2: <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> yeah. We're just currently choosing not to call it terrorism. It's wild. Yes. Mm. Sorry, was that too loud?
1: <laughs> no, there's people in the back, Ethan. Speak up.
2: <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, this movie definitely, um, we're at, uh, we're at week, like, three or whatever now of being completely in, overrun by the police state, um, mm. in America, and this movie just, uh pissed me off
0: oh yeah definitely like obviously australia has major racism issues um but we're not seeing the same like reaction as you guys uh, especially from like the police side um but still watching it i was just i kept having to pause it and just talk to ben about how like this just hits way too close to home considering what's happening right now
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah it's I was really ready for some escapism, guys. I was like,
2: cool, blockbuster movie <laughs> week. I get to just experience this. Nice. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. It's almost and like right these the are just extremely like like all the YA novels, especially like the YA fantasy and like dystopian novels, are sort of like thinly veiled, you know, metaphors for things. This one is is not even veiled.
0: Oh no. This one is no, just in your this face. Is, this one's like the world
2: went wrong and here's why. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because like in Divergent, they try to hide why. Whereas in The Hunger Games, it's like, let's celebrate the genocide every year. Yep. War. Terrible war. I do love Donald Sutherland as President Snow. Oh, yeah. He he does a great job.
0: I love love him so much. He honestly made me, me really like Snow as a character. Like, I don't agree with Snow, but I like him, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, I, I mean, like that's- snow better than Voldemort. Oh yeah, oh, sorry.
2: You literally said the name that must not be named <laughs> from the thing we must not name.
0: <laughs> I know,
2: but-, but it's so it's so hard to not because even like there's so many that that really was the blueprint for these like bad things happen to kids series. Yeah, right? At least like, that's
1: the the blueprint frame that we have. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I mean that's the blueprint that Suzanne Collins and Stephanie Meyer and. And uh, all of them were looking at
1: Rick. What Rick Riordan?
2: Sure, wouldn't that, that's not young adult.
1: He's seventeen by the last one. By the okay. last one, yeah. Those are th- okay. So that series is making like a move to take over the space that Potter is filling. And I love the fans; it. they seem very nice. I'm not here for I- it. I don't think it's got the gusto. I like I know that there are books about like trans characters and it it teaches kids a lot of really good things. And that's wonderful. And it's like genuinely a great thing that exists in the world. But I think you're going to have a hard time getting the adults who grew up with Potter to read the four younger audiences percy jackson series
0: i don't think it's coming for the adults though i think it's coming for the younger generation to kind of like oh yeah. So so
1: like our hope is that like 20 years from now yeah right okay
0: yeah i can jive with that right I mean, but that's the thing
2: I, is it, it'll it'll never be rereadable the way harry potter is
0: i don't know because personally i'm really not that attached to harry potter which i know is kind of weird because i've got like merch and stuff and i do videos on it but I'm very, very new to the Harry Potter fandom. So I don't really care if it gets replaced with something.
2: No, that's not even what I'm saying. Is It's just not like, not not one versus the other. I just don't think that, because I can't read Percy Jackson as a 27-year-old. Yeah. I can't. I can't do it. But I can read Harry Potter as a 27-year-old.
0: Yeah. But I just don't think it's coming for
1: a This is a tough question to answer because I don't have this experience. And I think it's a personal thing is I know that a 27-year-old who has never read Potter can read Potter. And that's what makes it like so great. I don't know – I know that a 27-year-old – or a lot of 27-year-olds have an issue reading Percy Jackson for the first time. I'm curious what the majority is of people who grew up with Percy, if it is easy to revisit or if it's like, man, I really loved that story and I still care about it. But you don't like actually sit down and re-experience it or if you like just participate in the culture around it. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question.
1: I genuinely don't know the answer. I know that like Becca from Sincerely Us loves Percy Jackson. She will straight up pick up those books – and read them. And I don't know if Becca is an outlier or if Becca is, like, the standard that... Or if we are the outlier. You know what I'm saying? Here's
2: here's my thing. I would lay odds right now that if I really... I I don't even... uh, like, I don't think I would have to push myself. If somebody was like, go read however many there are Twilight books, right? I don't think I would have a problem s- sitting down and picking it up. Like, they're not great. Uh, I-, I read the first one, I think, when it came out and I saw the first movie. I read half of Percy Jackson, the light or whatever the hell it was called. And then I saw the movie. So it's like a pretty similar thing. It's like I would have a I, I guarantee you, I have a much easier time as a 27 year old person reading all of the Twilight books than I would all of the Percy Jackson, the Olympians books.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And those are two I- things that
2: I vaguely experienced. It's not like I don't I don't have ties to them like I do with Potter or like even this.
0: Yeah,
1: the Hunger Games I can re pick up. I I I will pick up the first Hunger Games book almost every time I go to the beach because I know it's an easy read and it's not Potter, and I will knock it out in two or three days. Yeah, and I will enjoy it.
2: And like yeah. I love to drag the first Hunger Games movie for whatever reasons, but I'll, I'm never going to turn it off. Yeah, I'm not. You know, if somebody's like, "Hey, I want to watch the first Hunger Games movie," I'm not going to be like, "Oh, are you kidding me?" That piece of garbage. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever.
1: You you know, it's interesting to me on this topic of generational interest in in media. My mother-in-law, who is fabulous and brilliant and just an absolute genius, doesn't do Potter, doesn't do Tolkien, doesn't do Percy Jackson, obviously. That, see, that's that's where it gets kind of weird, is that it feels like somebody of a generation past us, like, obviously, they're not interested in Percy Jackson. Like, there's no older fans of it. And I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure somebody's tweeting at me right now being like, hey, excuse me, I'm 55 and Percy Jackson is the bomb diggity. And I believe that you are real, okay? And I'm sure that it's very good. Uh, but she loves The Hunger Games. It is like the only fantasy dystopian fiction anything that she will read or watch and she loves it.
0: Interesting.
2: Well because it's I mean on it's 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 young adult fantasy or fiction or whatever it's, it's, I mean, it's. there's the whole brand of, like, young adult dystopian novels, right? Like, we're, we're all aware of that. This is not—I yeah. uh, mean, this was a blueprint as much as Potter was for a lot of things. For a lot of things.
1: <laughs> no, this, this took the world by storm. I, I would say that this was the closest thing to Potter. Right, because she yeah.
2: said Collins was like, hey, so here's a thing, like— um, the world went bad, right? And now it's controlled by a evil dictator. And also, I'm gonna kill a bunch of kids in front of you with words, and you have to read it, like a bunch of kids, yeah, like a bunch of them. Like J.K. Rowling killed some parents off screen, Suzanne Collins is like, mm, he dies and he dies and he dies. Well, it turns out everybody except these two people
0: die. Yeah. All of them. I think that's why it appeals to a lot of adults is because it feels realistic. Like the war has actual casualties. Whereas like the war in Harry Potter, yeah, like there are casualties, but it doesn't feel as devastating, if that makes sense. At least that's what I found. Because I read Harry Potter for the first time when I was twenty two. So I found like the like it didn't hit as realistic from a war perspective, whereas like the Hunger Games, like everybody dies. Yeah. And and
1: it, she doesn't pull punches either, like pita and katniss make it but by the end of the last one like all of katniss's family is dead right the mom doesn't make it no the mom survives
0: no she survives
2: oh
1: she does okay my mistake uh but uh well we are going
2: to cover this this last one at some point so don't don't give too many things away
1: i well i we're going to cover the film so there's a lot of film to talk about but like she doesn't pull any punches and i don't want to like take away from potter like there's some really (laughs) hard-hitting deaths dumbledore's death hits it hits different uh Cedric's death I don't care um and then like you know the end when she's just starts murking everybody that was Hedwig's death really hits Mm. uh killing off one of the twins and not both yeah uh yeah that's where I'm at but like the I don't want to say the Potter books aren't good because I still feel like despite all of this I will revisit Potter more in my life than I will revisit this even though I don't even want to at this stage (laughs) it just happens (laughs) Right. It's just like, it's just part of life now.
0: I have that. Like, I have three book series that I will systematically read once a year. And I, there's no reason behind it. I just systematically, once a year, I'm like, I'm going to pick this up and read it now. Um, mm-hmm. And that's. Ready just... Player One? No. <laughs> that's for, for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not one of mine. <laughs> um yeah so like there's just books i think i just automatically i'm like i haven't read this in a bit i'll just read it now again
1: yeah and i think everybody is reaching out right now trying to find a community and a like series of media that grasps 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 that's a weird word grasps
2: (laughs) grasps
1: (laughs) grasps their attention in the way that uh that Potter did. And I think, like, I, I don't think there's enough Hunger Games, to be honest with you. It doesn't take me long enough to read them. Yeah. And uh, now there's a new one. Tell me about Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Is it is it like another novel? I know that it doesn't pull punches, but is it another novel like these? Or is it more like Silmarillion, where it's like history within the universe? How, wh- what is it?
0: Um, so I'm only 100 pages in, which is very unusual for me, because I'm a stupid fast reader. And I normally just sit and oh, read a opposite. book. Oh, no, like, I'll read right. ridiculously fast. But... What I found so far with The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is I'm 100 pages in and I still don't care. I'm bored reading it, which is not great. Really? Yeah. Uh, So I normally give up on a book if by 50 pages it hasn't hooked me. Uh, But obviously this one with like what I do, I am trying to read it fully, um, especially because a movie will come out and then I can like use that a lot on my channel. Um, but so far I'm, I'm literally bored. Like I have to force myself to sit down and read, which since I was four years old, I've never had to sit, like force myself to read a book. I will just read. But this is the first time I found myself being like, Ugh, I really need to be reading that book right now. So I now, could it don't al- like it.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. So could it also be, I find this happens with me, is that if it starts to feel like work or if it's something that I already have like sort of nostalgic feeling and warm feeling towards, I almost find it hard to like pick up and read or or view or or experience past what I have like been known to experience because like... Like, for example, I really like the show Arrow, but when I was watching it, there were only three seasons. Mm-hmm. And I watched those three seasons front to back twice. Like, I loved them. I thought it was amazing. And then I, like, entered a stage in my life where I didn't have time to just, like, weekly watch a television show. And now the show's done after six or seven seasons. If I go back and revisit it, I get bored after the third season, partially because, like, it's well-known that the fourth season is the worst. And partially because, like, I just, the part that I'm interested in is the part that, that like, I'm nostalgic towards and that I want to experience again. Yeah. So, could it be that that is sort of what's happening? Like, maybe this book is good, but it's taking place in a universe that you care about with characters you don't care about?
0: I don't think so, because my absolute favorite book series has a prequel series coming out at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I devoured the first prequel book, like, in a day. Okay. So, what series is that? His Dark Materials. Oh, that's by far my favorite book series by far. Really? Yeah. I was so excited when the TV show came out.
1: (laughs) And Lynn was in it. Ah. Ah, uh.
0: um, But like the the Book of Dust series, I got the first one when it came out and I literally read it in like a day and a half. And then I've got the second one, but I'm currently rereading His Dark Materials and then I have to reread the first. One. And I'm I'm desperate to finish The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes so that I can get to these books. Right. So I don't think it's a case of like, it's the same universe, but it's not the same. I think it's, it, to me, it's the pacing of the book is really messed okay. up and the characters that are present the only ones i care about are like background characters so it's not that interesting because they only show up every so often um right so i know
1: it's t- so tough being an ernie mcmillan stan and reading potter
0: <laughs> exactly
1: Yeah, it's like he's he's in like four chapters total yeah you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so far i'm not enjoying it i'm hoping that's gonna change because i still have 400 pages of this book to read
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah,
0: it's a long one. And Ben's reading it with me. Like we bought a copy each so that we could each read it. And um, yeah, he agrees that it it's a struggle.
1: Okay, so um, I may not pick it up then. That's good to know.
0: I'll I'll like revisit it once I'm done. I'll tell you guys whether you should or not. But so whether, far- Whether you should buy it? I I think probably it's a case of just wait for the movie and you'll get the story that way.
1: Is it confirmed a film? Yes. Oh,
2: okay. Then yeah, whatever. Lawrence Fishburne or whatever his name is, is directing it.
0: <laughs> Francis
2: Francis Lawrence I got the initials right in the wrong order
0: brilliant
1: his dark materials is it really that amazing I believe it if it is if you say yes it really is Tyler you'll love it
0: um for me it is I don't know for you because of like the crux of the story um that's quite a personal thing Uh, but I really enjoyed them. I still do really enjoy them. Like it's the kind of book if I'm reading it and Ben is talking to me, I do not register what he's saying. Like I am just in the book.
1: That's just how my brain works.
0: Uh, Normally I can multitask. Always.
1: Oh no, yeah, I can't do that. I say that I can, but, like, I can't. I don't know how to explain this (laughs) for (laughs) you.
0: Yeah, no, if I'm reading His Dark Materials, it's His Dark Materials and Lord of the Rings. If I'm reading those, you cannot talk to me. Like, I will just not register. Holy crap.
1: Lord of the Rings is so freaking good. Oh,
0: yeah, 100%. Oh, my God. It is a good one. That's that's one one of my I read it every year books.
1: Oh, it's taken me over a year to read all of them.
0: I'm first, uh, now. I'm
1: I'm the world's slowest reader. When I was in eighth grade, because I have, like, in high school and middle school I had really bad ADHD and I like just it's uh, with books even with ebooks I get so consumed with how fast am I reading how fast am I going to finish this chapter and those thoughts like consume my brain and I have no idea why because I'm like enjoying the story and I'm in the story and I like it and I don't have anything to be doing so why do I care how long it's going to take me to finish this chapter. But I'm constantly doing that little progress bar of I've read four pages. I have 12 to go. That's a lot. I mean, should I just stop now? I constantly have this battle with myself. I Do other people do this? Am I the only one that does this? Oh, no,
0: I do it. But I just keep reading. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. And she's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll keep reading.
1: Ethan, do you do that? Or do you just, are you not even registering that there's chapters?
2: Um, Usually not. I read very quickly. So when we did
1: the, the how fast do you read challenge in eighth grade in Miss Steffen's class, everybody in the class was... With the exception of me and Josh McDiarmid, which is somebody else we went to high school with, uh, (laughs) (laughs) was at a minimum of one page a minute, and most everybody was at 1.2 or 1.5 pages a minute for 8th graders and I think we were reading To Kill a Mockingbird it's for reference Josh May Dearman and I both came in at .7 pages a minute Ew. and we we got like called out in front of the class oh my gosh that's not fair it's, it's this weird thing where like I'm not upset about it and like but you Stephanie up <laughs> was an amazing teacher but it like it does stick out in my mind as like you got called out for reading slow when you were in 8th grade and I like I say that I'm not upset but I do think that every time I sit down to read a book I'm like it's gonna take me a lot longer than it's going to take other people because that one time in eighth grade that I learned that I'm a slow reader.
0: Oh no. I had an inverse thing. I was, I think I was seven and I was talking about how like, oh, I'm a really fast reader. And obviously being a seven year old, everyone's like, okay, sure you are. And then my aunt's boyfriend is like a book editor. He's like, okay, if you're so fast, let's race. And so he picked up a book and we had to read the first page and then say when we were done. And like, I read it as quickly as him. And that was really this moment of like, oh, wait, I actually read ridiculously fast as a seven-year-old. You you
1: really have some sort of talent here, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I will read books. Like, even The Lord of the Rings, I can read them in just a couple days at this point.
1: Oh, no, I can't. Uh -uh.
0: Yeah. But I've also been reading them every year since I was... 11 or 12, which probably helps.
1: Now you only read every fourth word. Yeah. (laughs) E, where you at? What do you mean? You didn't say anything. I thought you had something to add there.
0: No, I don't know. I just read books,
2: man. (laughs) I just be reading books.
1: What was the last book you read, Ethan?
2: I don't be reading books, actually. That's a lie. I lied about reading books. I'll tell you that much. (laughs)
1: No, yeah, I used to read a I bunch of books the, the last book,
2: handbook the other day The last book I read, I read, like, I guess listened to I haven't read a book with paper in a long time Um, what was it? I'm trying to remember Oh, it was The Handmaid's Tale Yeah. Oh, that was, oh it. was it good? Yeah, it was good, it was very interesting Um, I, I picked, I started reading it on paper As a beach read when I was in Key West Uh, because I forgot to buy a, or bring a book And the hotel we stayed at, I didn't have any books Um, which is criminal But whatever <laughs> It's a beach, come on now Yeah, But, uh, yeah, it was, um... Wow, has it really been since last August? No! Sorry, I read uh, The Face of Soul Woman who Secretly Lives in Your Home, a Welcome to Night Vale novel. Forgot about that. With
1: your eyeballs?
2: No. I haven't read a book with my eyeballs all the way through in a long time.
1: (laughs) That's what I... So that's what I thought you were asking, because you said you started Handmaidens' Tale with your eyeballs. I did, uh, but I did
2: not finish it with my eyeballs. Do you do a lot of audiobooks, Jess? Yes or no?
0: Um, I listen to audiobooks to fall asleep, because I have, uh... Trauma-related anxiety and can't fall asleep in the quiet, so I need something on. Uh, so I currently am listening to Game of Thrones, which is a weird choice to fall asleep to. I am aware. I do sometimes, like, nah. like start awake at certain scenes. I'm like, whoa, what am I listening to right now? Um, but yeah, so audiobooks to fall asleep. But other than that, when I'm awake, I have to read a physical book. I can't even do ebooks. It has to be, like, a physical paper book.
1: I cycle through the three. I would say I am, at this stage, probably 60% audiobook. And then twenty five percent ebook and fifteen. Well, Lord of the Rings tripped me up because I really wanted to read those with my eyeballs. So I would say twenty five percent eyeball book and fifteen percent. Well, I guess paper book and fifteen percent uh, ebook. Ebook. Yeah.
0: I went through an ebook phase, uh, especially when I was traveling a lot because I couldn't travel and bring the amount of books I wanted to. Uh, yeah. But I never enjoyed it. And all the books I've read on an ebook, I want to reread in a physical copy because. To me there's just something different about reading them in a physical copy. And I know that sounds really like up my own, but I just really like books. I really like books also.
1: I yeah, so like I've I gotten into ebooks before and been able to do that. And like there was a time where I was probably seventy five percent ebook and I'm with you. Like exactly. Like you go through this phase and then you're like, you yeah, know, but I mean like Like to me, what feels like finishing a book is like reading it with my eyes or listening to, like reading it on paper or listening to the audiobook. And then like third place is like reading the ebook version. It feels like cheating almost. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Also, if I do do an ebook, I need it to be on like one of the paper white or like e ink devices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I cannot for the life of me pull it up on an iPad I, or, a, or a or or God forbid a phone.
0: I didn't have a choice because the only thing I had at that time was an iPad, and I think that's probably what put me off eBooks Is I read, mm-hmm. um, you know, Les Miserables. Les Miserables, yes. however, you would say it the in Vicar English. Less Hugo. Miserables. Yeah. Less yeah. Miserables. I'm familiar miserables, with the yeah. familiar um, with the Vicar Hugo property. I, I read them as an ebook. And I really want to read them again because I don't feel like I actually read them properly. I feel like I was skipping bits because reading them on an iPad is not fun oh no, um,
1: and the backlight gets to me which is I get, weird like I sit and stare at a computer all day and then the minute I get on a plane I'm like how could I possibly look at my phone I've
2: I've <laughs> I've never had this problem um I don't like the the paper white things like the the e-ink readers I've never have I've never owned one I know Tyler's owned like 27 of them um I've owned two you've owned like 46 <laughs> we, I lived with you for a long time you're always buying e-readers I love them
1: they're so inexpensive. It's gear that you can just buy. There's not even like you don't have to text anybody. You can just yeah. Be but like, I yep, already I had buy this gear. I
2: already had an iPad.
1: I so I have two iPads now. Uh, and I still, if I'm gonna e-read something, it has to be on an e-ink. But go ahead, Ethan. You were saying something. Um. You read on an iPad.
2: Yeah, I, I I would read it on an iPad, but I get way more out of audiobooks than I do about um about reading any of them. Like because th- they read it slower than I can read with my eyes. Yeah.
1: Yes. I, I will I will concede with you there that the audiobook I think gives me more of the book, but I my like the completionist video game part of my brain still feels more fulfilled reading it on paper than listening to the audiobook, even though I get more out of it listening to the audiobook. Because not only do they read it slower than my eyes can, they also read it better yeah than like the voice in my head can
0: i don't know i find there's something so satisfying about putting a book back on the shelf when you're done with it and then like picking up a new one that's just me
1: no i would agree i think there's yeah i think yeah i that is part of the the completionist part is that like when you finish an audiobook it's just like okay and then i go back into the app and we basically pick a different song and i don't feel any satisfaction finishing a song yeah
2: yeah yeah for sure books are always a weird thing people do like I do feel more pressure to finish a book once I've started it, and I try not to feel pressure to finish anything I don't like, but I do feel more pressure than anything else to finish a book than, th- that I've started than like movies, TV shows, anything else, especially TV shows.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't feel any pressure to finish a TV show. The minute I get to an episode I don't like, I'm like, all right, well, this is fun, and it's it's over. In fact, I've been having such a hard time with Avatar The Last Airbender because I know that like a lot of people that mean a lot to me really, really like that show, and I want to really enjoy it, but there are... J- Not too many, but just enough filler episodes that I will get to an episode that I just don't care about all too often. And the premise of the show is so pressing and the like the length of it is not that it's three like twenty episode, half hour episode seasons. It it, like the, the The premise is that, like, the Fire Nation is taking over the world. And the amount of episodes where Aang is not dealing with that problem drives me nuts.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: And, like, I get it. Like, it was a serial kids show and there are filler episodes. It's just, like, part of it. But I don't know. In episodes where they don't even, like, gain a new recurring ally or anything. Like, there's an episode in the first season where they have to help two villages cross a canyon. And it's, like, the worst. It is absolutely terrible. They meet an earthbender who injures his arm and never comes back in the series and they help these two villages cross and Aang like gets them to settle their differences by lying to them and it's uh, it, like ruins the series for me when I, anytime I get to this episode which is frustrating because I know that like I'm close to getting to Toph and all the good stuff in the show but uh, it's just exhausting to watch I
2: yeah. watched the first season when it was on TV and I've had no desire to watch any further seasons or ever rewatch it. That's fair. I
0: haven't watched it and have no desire to so
1: at this point I watch it Oftentimes, I will put it on because it's characters that i'm familiar with but they're still new content to me so i will put it on while i do like my morning routine with olivia that's fair so so it'll like be on the tv it's also a cartoon so i don't feel like as bad for letting her watch it i don't i don't feel bad for her watching anything but it feels like it feels like we're having like a shared experience if i put on cartoons mm. so that's part of the reason why i've been re-watching it
0: yeah makes sense no, I don't ever feel pressure to, like, finish anything. Like, if I'm not enjoying it, I'll put it down. Like, as I say, with books, I'll give them, like, 50 pages, and if I'm still not hooked, I'll just put it away. Um, so. Yeah,
2: I do that, um... And sometimes I find myself putting books away that I'm really... Especially audiobooks. Like, it is so easy to, uh, put down an audiobook and never pick it back up. Mm. I do this all the time where I'm like, man, I... Because if I... So here's my my thing with audiobooks. is like, I have to to listen to an audiobook that is the only thing i can listen to until it is done right like that's the only way i'll finish it okay right like i start the book and that's that's the thing i'm consuming right i can watch tv i can watch movies i can occasionally listen to songs or whatever but like if i put an audiobook down and start listening to like oh i want to listen to the new episode of my brother my brother and me that audiobook is gone and it will never get finished ever okay until i i go like oh man i never finished the goldfinch and i don't remember what the goldfinch is about <laughs> so then i have to start the goldfinch over again it's like 32 hours long Ush. i've put the goldfinch down three times now and eventually i'll finish reading it it won like every award made for books and it's very good but i have not been able to finish it because life gets in the way podcasts are so much easier to listen to than books because they're like an hour long yeah that's do true. you know
1: what happens to me ethan what here's what happens to me i will pick up a book on audiobook and i'll listen to it i'll have a day where i'm like cleaning the kitchen or something and i'm just kind of like working by myself and i can really listen to it while i'm doing like something else or I'll have a long drive and i'll make it pretty far into it And that night, I'll be like, oh, you know what? Instead of a podcast to fall asleep to, I'll just keep listening to my book. And I will set a sleep timer for far longer than I need to. (laughs) I'll set it for like 90 minutes and I will be asleep in like three. The next morning, I'll be like, well, I have no idea what's happening in that book. But I know I woke up like an hour in and I heard that part. I don't want to hear that part again. So I'm just going to piece it together and then I'll pick it up where I left off or I'll go back even 15 minutes and I'm completely lost and have too much pride to go back and just listen to where I left off last night. And this happens to me all the time. I can even pull up my audiobooks right now and tell you like the last three books that I did this to. <laughs> and you'd think I would learn my lesson, but I just don't. I did it to The Ranger's Apprentice. I did it to Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Uh, the Lightning Thief, and I've done it to John Negroni's book, Killer Joy, like three times. And I did it to the Chronicles of Narnia, even though I've read those, so it shouldn't even bother me. I did it to Empire of Impa- Imagination, which is a uh, like fictional biography about Gary Gygax. Uh, I've done this so many freaking times <laughs> and it's driving me crazy, and I wish I would stop doing this to myself.
2: I'm sorry, I <laughs> missed the beginning of that. You did what? I will like listen to an audiobook. Yeah. And Oh sleep timer, sleep timer, sleep timer. Sleep timer is that what messes I lost me up. the like I lost the thread of where you were going with it when you started naming the things that you did it to. I was like, oh that sucks. What did he do? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I used to have my sleep timer on for an hour and I'd often need to like reset it because I'd still be awake. But since Rowena's been born, I have it for fifteen minutes and I'll fall asleep in like two minutes, which has never happened in my oh, life yeah. before. I've never fallen asleep that quickly before, which is amazing. But it means I am I've making never been slow this tired progress before. in yeah. my audiobooks. So slow. Yeah,
2: I'll do this, but I, I, my fall asleep content is stuff I don't care about. Like it's never stuff I'm trying to actively consume. Like I'll feel myself falling asleep and then I will shut my podcast off and go listen to or watch something else. And then I'm asleep within two minutes of starting that. I have, I have watched the first two minutes of countless ASMR videos on YouTube, (laughs) countless an unfathomable number that I've, I've watched 60 seconds of and go night.
1: So ASMR doesn't. Maybe I'm looking for the wrong uh, triggers. That's the word. Doesn't put me to sleep. I get the tingles. I watch it. I enjoy it. it I don't really get the tingles.
0: I go to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I get the tingles, but don't go to sleep.
2: Yeah, I do. I don't really get. I'm not. A, I don't get the tingles that much. I do sometimes. Um, I
1: didn't realize how much I got the tingles. I was even like d- doubting myself for a long time. <laughs> and then just tonight, Jess put her headphones on her microphone and my body straightened out. <laughs> I was so,
2: it was so comfortable. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I yeah, I just fall asleep. Yeah. Something about people talking quietly relaxes me. No, I, I, need,
0: I need something to like actively focus on because the minute I don't, my brain just goes... It, like all sorts of ways and i need something so like that's why i listen to not complex stuff but like i used to listen to the sherlock holmes books to fall asleep to because like you mm-hmm. have to focus on what's going on and like same with game of thrones and stuff like that because the minute i am not focusing on stuff my brain's just like okay bye and just does it oh own i thing. have
2: i have the sherlock holmes like the complete sherlock holmes collection audiobook and i could fall asleep to those because if you're not paying attention it is utter nonsense Oh yeah. <laughs> like that dude is spewing nonsense words 100%. constantly. So like that's what I need is like I was really good with the podcast called Sleep With Me because he's just he's talking nonsense that like lets my brain wander to the point where I'll go to sleep. So I'm the opposite. If 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 I am focusing, I will continue to focus. Like I could sit up all night and read a book. Yeah. Um or listen to a book. Like if I if I am engrossed in something i have to put it down or i won't sleep
0: yeah I, um, i'm like that so I'm with the opposite if i'm reading a book and i like it i will not sleep but i need something to focus my brain on to fall asleep but yeah with
2: with the sherlock holmes audiobooks i could cross my eyes and and not unfocus my ears and i will be gone immediately yeah that dude is just like it's it's a garbage words it, it makes it no is. sense
1: Did you know people say they fall asleep listening to this podcast? I see a lot of people see that.
2: That's so wild to me. We are so annoying. (laughs) And we have like awful voices. We do not have smooth, sultry, soothing voices at all. I disagree. That is not what I think of us for. I
0: disagree. I
2: like your voices.
1: Do you want me to do do like a little, dear listener, thank you for joining us tonight. I hope you have had a really wonderful day and I just want you to relax, take a deep breath, count with me, in for four, one, two. And now out. One, two, three, four. And I want you to just think about all the stresses in your life and just release them from your body. Starting with your toes and now your feet. Up your legs. Feel the tension relax in your knees. I hate this. (laughs) I
0: was waiting for you to say something.
1: I dropped my microphone. (laughs) Listener, this is probably a lot of... Blah, 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 noise going on right now, but I can't hear them because my headphones are plugged into my mic. There we go. I'm back. Did you hate it? From WBEZ
2: in Chicago. I'm Ira Glass. This is This American Life.
1: I've never listened to This American Life, fun fact. Meaning, it's very yeah. good. You don't say.
2: I could, like, and, and that's the thing is, that, like, it doesn't doesn't have to be, like, a, a deep, sultry voiced person for me to fall asleep. Like, I couldn't fall asleep to 99PI. Not a chance.
1: I've fallen asleep to a fair few 99PI I could
2: not fall asleep to Roman Mars. No way. He is too interesting.
0: I've seen some people that say sure so that, good. like if it weren't for like the clips in my videos people would fall asleep to my voice which is weird to me because like i don't feel like i've got that kind of a voice personally but yeah apparently miss
1: vandermott straight up you could knock me right out
2: yeah i fall asleep primarily listening to women talk
0: okay well that's good to know In Mostly fact, because I mean, if, all if,
2: male ASM artists are weird. All of them, every single I, one of them, are weird. I, I feel
1: like I couldn't. I couldn't do it.
2: It's just like I'm not saying it's like oh, this is women's work. It's just like the dudes that have decided they're going to be ASM artists are all creepy.
0: All of them. <laughs> I think, I mean, personally, especially as a woman, there's something weird about a guy whispering at me. I just It just, like, freaks me out. <laughs> as a man, there's
2: something weird about a guy whispering at me. Now, there's some I listen to. There's this uh, one French dude who talks about history that I'll listen to because it's just, like, super interesting. But he has a soft enough, like, French voice and I'll eventually fall asleep. But that takes me, like, 45 minutes of learning about the Battle of Troy before I actually fall asleep. Okay. And then the problem is, I'll go, I'll be so interested, and I'll go back and like listen again. It takes me like five nights to finish one of these stupid videos. <laughs> but most of them are weird. Most male ASMR yeah. artists are weird.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I don't do much ASMR. Um, I did for a bit, but I'd never listen to male voices. That's for sure.
1: I, I wouldn't call it ASMR, but I have listened to Sleep With Me and Scooter a man. So, I don't know. I don't
0: listen to that. Scooter's
2: a character.
1: Okay, Scooter is voiced by a man. Everything Scooter is a man.
2: I mean, yeah, but Scooter's not the only character on Sleep with Me.
1: Do you think I know the characters? I fall asleep during the, the like ads. The ads.
2: <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he does the ads first. <laughs> It's like a yeah. solid 10 minute chunk of ads and then stuff. Oh gosh. And yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll fall asleep with the ads sometimes for sure.
1: They're, oh, every time. If I listen to sleep with me, I'm out in under five minutes and there's like a little spot in the description where it'd be like, Oh, just click here to get to the episode. And it honestly messes me up. Like the episode ends up being more interesting than the ads.
2: It's I, I I've so like, I watch a bunch of GB videos and all of her videos mm-hmm. are like hard sponsored now. Like she has have sponsorships at the beginning of the video and like I'll fall asleep to the Nord VPN ads all the time. Of <laughs> <laughs> just this woman being like, "This episode is sponsored
1: by Nord VPN," and I'm like, "Gone." You've got you've got the whisper, Ethan. I think you could do the whisper.
2: Yeah, gone. Uh-huh. I would put myself to sleep. Is the problem? <laughs> I'd be like editing the video, just like. <clears throat> <laughs> I'd have to hire could- somebody else to edit it. <laughs>
1: You could whisper at me for like a few hours. I think what she did early on was, I mean, she would just film a lot of stuff and there was no cuts. It was just
0: a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah. People that do videos in one take are mind boggling.
0: Oh yeah, I could not.
2: I watched this dude on YouTube called Tom Scott, uh, and he's this British guy that just like tells you interesting information about things for like three minutes, but almost all of his videos are like, he will walk and he'll put things like on the screen, but it'll be him like just generically like walking through a place and talking about stuff. And it's clearly all one take. Wow.
1: That's impressive.
2: And then sometimes it'll be like, he'll keep playing through the end of it. Just be like, fuck yeah, one take. Let's go. And then other times he'll he'll put stuff up that's like, this took me 14 tries to say this all the way through.
0: Oh gosh. (laughs) I'm like,
2: dude, just cut the video. No one cares. Put, instead of putting the things on the screen, put them over the screen.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do some J cuts. Yeah, I learned what a J cut was on TikTok the other day. A J cut? A J cut. What is a J cut? A J cut is when you have two people talking and you, you have, right, the two cameras on the two different people. And you have the person who the camera is, who focuses not on start speaking and then cut to them. That is. I
2: have never heard that called a J cut. Hmm. I don't remember what I heard it called, but I did learn to do that at one point for my vlogs and I was still doing those. Ah, yes. You'll bring them back one day. The vlogs? Yeah, probably
1: right, if not. If you want to, I guess. I probably know. not.
2: <laughs> there I may be some video content coming soon We'll see Ooh,
0: I still sometimes think of bringing back the vlogs But at the moment I have too much going on And I'm already adding more stuff to my plate So I don't think my vlogs are coming back anytime soon That was,
2: that was my thing is Once I started touring a lot I got too busy to do the vlog I got too busy being interesting to do the <laughs> vlog
0: It's hard
1: It's so hard to like I get that like, creators just get used to this And they get over this problem But it's so hard to pull your camera out and, like, start filming things in front of people who genuinely do not care about the medium or what you're doing or understand what you're doing.
0: I just don't think my life is interesting. Like, that's my issue. I don't, like, have an issue filming, like, in public. I just, I don't think I do anything that interests anybody. So, that's why I stopped. Oh,
2: I don't think I had anxiety until I started trying to film stuff in public. Uh, that was, I think, when enough, I learned what anxiety was.
0: I have anxiety and have always had had anxiety, but filming in public like there's times where it's kind of awkward especially when people are looking at you. at like what are you doing but i found like the whole reason i wear lipsticks on my videos is because of anxiety because i find when i look like i'm confident i'll feel more confident um and that kind of happened with filming in public but yeah it's weird that i have anxiety but can do that
2: there are times when i'll like pull up to a building that i want to take a photograph of in my car and i'll just like sit in my car for 30 minutes on my phone before i can like Work up the courage to stand up and get outside of my car and take a picture. Yeah, I feel that. It's weird. It is as like
1: anybody would care.
2: <laughs> as though anybody would care. I'm always like, they're going to say something. Somebody's going to say something. They're going to get mad. They're going to take a picture of this building. Like, And there's nobody around. That, like, nobody.
1: Right, but even playing that out in a worst case scenario, somebody steps outside and is like, hey, could you uh, I don't know, could you not? And it's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, and I'm so worried about this leaves. this
2: imaginary Contrived confrontation that has never happened.
1: Right. Like, I can't even, like, I'm with you. I have this exact same fear. Like, I will be afraid at work to, like, call on one of my clients because I'm afraid they're just going to chew me out as though I've ever had a bad experience talking to them. Oh, that
2: happened to me all the time when I worked at State Forum. All the time. All of it. 50 times a day.
1: Okay, your clients are also business to consumer. These are business clients who make money off of my product. They're rarely.
2: Correct. Not yeah, no, people were always mad that I was calling them. Because I'm always mad when I get calls from people that are trying to sell me something.
1: Yeah, true. I wouldn't even be trying to sell them something. Usually my call is like, hey, this is Tyler over at Company B. I uh, just wanted to see how y'all were doing, see if there's anything we can do to support you. Uh, I saw that y'all had a really great month. So keep it up and uh, otherwise have a great day. And that's like my entire call. And I'm afraid that I'm going to make that call. And some secretary is going to be like, how dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Who do you think you are? I'm busy. Don't you know I'm busy? I mean, yeah, you're busy taking this call. That's what you're busy doing. It rang for two seconds. (laughs) There's no call queue. You weren't busy. And if they are busy, if they have like a, a client in their office, they'll be like, hey, do you mind if I put you on a brief hold? And I will always say, yeah, that's not a problem. And like, yeah. But I still get the same anxiety
0: that you get.
2: Fair, fairly recently, I got an angry phone call from my bank telling me my car insurance or my car payment was due in ten days. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit aggressive. Because she was like, she so I, I let the thing go to voicemail because I'm not, I don't want to talk to my bank. I'm not late on my payment, right? I had no desire to talk to them, and I got the e- the voicemail that was like, "Hi, this is so and so from so and so bank. You need to call us back immediately." And I was like, "Okay." And she was like, "Did you know your p- car payment is due in ten days?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> So I guess they're hurting for money or something right now, but it was shocking, shocking and appalling, and I was not happy. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm curious. Did you Did you pay it? No, I didn't pay it. Right. It's due in ten days.
1: <laughs> I, well, hey, that's fine. My uh, my uh, they gave me three months off of my car payments from from the coronavirus. They and-
2: did not do that for me.
1: <laughs> and uh, I, t- I actually <laughs> called the bank, and I was like, "Hey, i was just calling in my account number so I can pay like the you know single payment online thing that you guys have." And the lady was like, "Well, actually, did you know that your payment has been pushed back three months?" And I was like, "No, literally nobody told me this. This is." brand new information. There's no email. There was no letter in the mail. There's nothing. And she was like, well, it has. So my next payment is due July 23rd.
0: It's coming up slowly. Yeah, one
2: of my credit cards just canceled itself, which I was not super thrilled about either. Oh, that sucks. They were like, you've had a too long a period of inactivity on your account. I was like, okay, where was my notice of this? And they were like, well, we sent you a notice on June 8th saying we were canceling your account. And I was like, you didn't warn me so I could like make a purchase? I'll buy
1: thing with your credit card. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, I didn't know. I don't
2: want this gone from my credit report. Yeah, it's a it's a card with no balance on it. Like I want this.
1: <laughs> I know. I have a I have a really high limit card from the company that I purchased Emily's uh, wedding rings through.
2: <laughs> Why did you say that like you're an alien learning what things were for the first time?
1: <laughs> I couldn't remember the word for it. Engagement ring. Um, And, like, obviously, after I paid that off, I've just never bought anything else. Like, why would I? And I'm very scared that they're going to do that because it's this, like, big chunk of free credit on my account. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to give away more personal information about my credit (laughs) situation.
0: That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
2: it was just, like, it was a huge amount of money that I didn't spend that they were just like, well, you uh, had an activity. And I was like, okay.
1: You had an activity. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, can I
2: open it back up? And they're like, oh, no, we don't reopen accounts. And I was like okay so what do i do and they're like well you can sign up for a new one <laughs> and i'm like i'm not gonna do that you would deny me
1: Oh, brutal um, But let's do some rap ethan it's about rap time let's do it i've enjoyed this episode you know last week was really funny i felt like this one was insightful talked about the creative process i really enjoyed this episode of bacon and eggs a movie lovers podcast and i feel like we really dove deep into mocking jay <laughs> <the part one. laughs> no we didn't but that's not the point of this show there was an angry review of this show that was like these guys talk about all sorts of stuff it's really more like two friends meeting after seeing a movie than it is a deep dive into film and like dear buddy who reviewed our show that's
0: the pitch
2: on t (laughs) in the show that's what
1: we wanted you to think that is exactly what this show is
0: and like that's what makes it amazing i find
2: well, th- oh my gosh! Thank you. You're
0: welcome. You guys are the first podcast it, I ever listened to. By the way, just throwing that out there. That's amazing.
2: We have I, had a lot of people. Not sorry, that is that is incredible, and I'm very happy. But that is just <laughs> always a, like people tell us that all the time because I guess we get a lot of our our listeners from like YouTubers. Mm-hmm. who have never listened to a podcast where they're like, you're the first podcast I ever listened to. And I'm like, thank you yeah, so
1: much. High pressure. Please do not listen to 99%
2: Invisible. Yeah. yeah please. please don't listen to Roman Mars talk to you ever. Cause he's <laughs> way better than I am.
0: Like I now listen to a lot of podcasts, which is why I'm so far behind mm-hmm. on everything. But like you guys was the first one I listened to. So thank you.
1: Well, you are welcome. Yeah. Thank you for thank listening. You for, yeah. Thank you to anybody who listens to this show. I cannot believe it week in and week out that anybody opens their podcast app and clicks on this little blue icon. It, it baffles my mind. Blue? Thank you for listening. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's
2: blue. Oh, opens it. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was thinking <laughs> of the podcast app being blue and I was like, it's not blue, bud. You organize your <laughs> ass by color. It's not blue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what podcast app you could be using that's blue.
1: Uh, I think I have one. Just if you would like one. If you're like, man, my blue folder could use some more. Uh actually I do not have a blue one a
2: blue podcast app
1: yeah why would why would you well I generally like to keep a lot of podcast apps because if you just set things to auto download then you can kind of make somebody's day (laughs) when
2: uh,
1: (laughs) when they get you know like an extra 10 downloads and they're all from you so that's why
2: so Jez, where can we find you
1: uh s- i mean not like your address no, we gotta, uh, hold on hold, hold on we, do Before we, do that, we gotta
2: put this on the big board oh gosh yeah
1: okay big board um i really enjoyed it i think we've had a lot of really good films this I year have though, no so idea where to put
2: this f- third movie brutal. in a franchise
1: third film in franchise it's better than birds of prey yeah yeah what about big hero six
2: i'll be real with you here's so here's my thing we've covered one other jennifer lawrence movie to my knowledge this year and it's not better than that
1: it's not better than it's Silver, not better Linings, than Silver Playbook. Linings Playbook. Mm. You are all on the completely opposite end of the Am I? The I list don't remember here. where
2: anything is. I'm not <laughs> looking at Silver it. Silver
1: Linings Playbook is 11. Big Hero 6 is 28. Oh, okay. okay. Well,
2: um This is better than Zombieland, though. And Tarzan. It's definitely better than Tarzan.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Tarzan
2: should be like down here with Hocus Pocus.
1: Brutal. Uh, this is better than the original Jumanji.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what about The Holiday?
0: I have yeah, not than the holiday. seen that. It's 10 things
1: I hate about you?
0: Um,
2: that's a tricky one. That's mm. Shakespeare.
0: It's a Shakespeare adaptation. I think not better than... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all Everything adaptations.
2: Did they didn't have movies when Shakespeare came out.
0: No, but you could have like an actual, like much closer than 10 Things I Hate About You.
1: Taming of the Shrew.
0: Yeah. That's I'm true. thinking right there, Ethan. Okay, that works That's for where me. I'm putting it.
2: Cool. Hey, Jess, you want to come on sometime soon so we can talk about the other one of these? Because I want to watch it now.
0: Sure. I watched it last night, but I can watch it again. That's all I ever seem to do anyway is watch these movies. <laughs> We got some We got some other
2: stuff lined up for the next few weeks, so we'll be in contact shortly to have you back on to talk about Mockingjay Part 2, yes. or maybe in six months so we can really just string these along where like we have been the whole time.
1: Maybe we'll get you and Vegard on at the same time. It will be a it was nightmare just like It was Vegard out of, of nowhere scheduling. being
2: like, because we were like, hey, Vegard, out of all the movies in the world, what do you want to cover? And he was like, The Hunger Games, obviously. And we're like, okay, cool. But we don't have time to do the rest of them right now. <laughs> And the then I had him on Vigard's again when Tyler on. was on paternity leave, and he was like, can we do Catching Fire? I was like, man, Jess is going to be mad, but yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> the thing is, the, the obvious film choices for Vegard had already been reviewed. Yeah. So we had to do a different
2: franchise. I mean, we didn't have to do a franchise at all. We just asked him what he wanted to cover, and he came out with The Hunger Games out of nowhere. Out of left field, just like, yeah, The Hunger Games. Duh. I think when he said The Hunger
1: Games, I was at a place in my life where I was like, the what? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> the what? Uh, okay, so we're on the big board. Jess, where can people find you on the internet? On the
2: internet,
0: not in real life.
2: <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to
0: give out my address.
2: Um, P.
1: Sherman, 42, Wallaby Way, City. Sydney. Uh, except not Sydney.
0: No, not Sydney. Very far away from Sydney. Yeah, very far. Different state. Um so you can find me at YouTube. I'm at StoryDiver and I'm at Dive Jess on Instagram and at StoryDiver on Twitter, I believe. Yes. I always forget what my ads are. So I'm just like, I hope I am saying the right things.
1: I recently changed mine.
0: Oh, see, I can't I do cry that cry because then moment. I'll never remember. I already don't remember.
2: You already don't remember what you just said?
0: Like, I never remember what fair. my ads are. Like, every time someone's like, oh, what you what's your Instagram? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I should, but I don't.
2: I'm at this weird stage with Instagram where every time I post, I lose followers. Ooh, that's
0: but, not but good. But when I
2: don't post, I gain followers. Weird. So just stay not posting. <laughs> I guess, yeah. But like, what's the point? I want people to follow me and see my stuff.
0: Are you post- I don't feel like you post anything controversial. Why are you losing followers? I don't. It's just
2: like, I think it's like if I don't post anything but tell people to follow, they will go follow me. But then as soon as I post something, somebody's like, oh, this guy unfollow.
0: Okay, yeah, I I think what it is is for a lot of people. I remind somebody that they followed
2: me and then they unfollow me because I do this all the time with Instagram and Twitter where I'm like, oh, you said something, man, you haven't said something in forever. Unfollow.
1: (laughs) I also do that. I also feel like you switched your Instagram from like personal Instagram cataloging the events of my life semi frequently because I'm a young adult and that's what you're supposed to do with Instagram. To I use Instagram as like a platform to showcase my art, and I think that that transition will always yield a turnover in followers to trend more towards what you're actually posting, especially since you think about it a lot more of like businessy than you did before. At least, oh, for sure.
2: And I mean, the net is always positive. It's just like, if I don't post for five days, I'll gain probably seven or eight followers. And then the next time I post, I lose four, five immediately. Wow. But then the, if I keep posting regularly, they'll come back. But it's like, if I take a day or two off, I will lose followers immediately as soon as I post.
0: I don't really look at my follower count. So I have no idea what is going on. That's the only time I also
2: don't my Twitter doesn't move ever. (laughs) Like we did the bracket challenge things for two years in a row and like the first year got me to a number and then I stayed there until the next year, which got me to a different number and I've been there since. Okay. And like I'll gain six and then lose five and then gain six back and then lose 10 and then gain 11 back and like. I'm always within a certain range, but Instagram, I've been like steadily growing on purpose. It's like I notice.
0: Yeah, I'm growing definitely on Instagram, not so much on Twitter, um, but I've made a point of like posting more to Instagram because I used to never post. So I think that's helping.
2: And you have a kid now.
0: I do. That helps.
2: That's just content a child, city. It's very easy to
1: post content. Yeah, it's content, content city. the is just
0: the child. Yep.
2: Anyway, we need to wrap up so Jess can go do things and Tyler and I can go to sleep.
0: Can I go to sleep? I want to nap. That's my thing I'm going to do.
2: If you want to take a nap, you can take a nap. That is your, you are a YouTuber. You can do whatever you want. Ooh. You have a flexible schedule.
1: That's how that works. <laughs>
2: I mean, I make currently all of my money freelancing and I have a flexible schedule. I do whatever I want, whenever I want. Sometimes it means I have to borrow time from sleeping, but whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm only semi-flexible because Ben also works from home. So we need to like coordinate our schedule so that we're not both working so that someone's looking after the baby.
2: (laughs) That's that's valid. Yeah, you do have a kid. But it's like what I mean is it, I'm not just saying, oh, you can screw up and do whatever you want all the time, but it's like it is easier to move things.
0: Oh yeah, you can't just be like, you know, I'm gonna have an app and then I'll work it later.
2: Right. Yeah. I do that all the time.
0: I need to do that more.
2: But then I end up editing podcasts at like eleven thirty PM and I'm like, I did this to myself?
0: yeah that's what Always. i did yesterday with yesterday's video i started editing it at like 10 p.m and i was like this is stupid i just want to go to bed and it took forever because yeah. i'm using a new editing software and my computer kept crashing and oh, no. it was not fun
2: fair enough well jess like i said we'll have you back on soon to talk about Mocking mockingjay part 2.
0: yeah whenever yeah whenever <laughs> whenever
2: we're done having do that
1: whole episode in french okay
0: that's yeah,
2: fine. all of it. We're going to learn French.
1: <laughs> I'm going We're not going to learn French. Vu.
2: Anyway, you can find us anywhere. You can find Bacon and Eggs at uh, Bacon and Eggs Pod on Twitter and Instagram or WBNE.org. Why did I make something I can't say? That's good. <laughs> go me. Awesome. Patreon.com slash Bacon and Eggs will get you all the bonus content, including the Hash Browns, which we're about to go do after this. Yay, the Hash Browns. Yay. Yay. Everybody say Yay, Hash Browns. Yay. Cool. Anyway, I've been Ethan Edgehill, he's been Tyler Garland, she's been Jess Vandermote, and until next time, arrivederci.
1: Aurelius.